and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Do not adjust your sets. There is nothing wrong with your picture. I promise you that. This is Tim and Friends. I'm Sean McKenzie, and I'm happy to be filling in for my friend Tim McAuliffe, who claims, he claims he is taking a family day to watch his kids' sports. I genuinely believe he took the day off to go see the new Top Gun movie. I can't prove it, but it is my strong belief. Tim, enjoy it. You deserve it. Tell me how it is. Like I said, I'm happy to help Timmy out. I'm even happy to be back working with my old pal, Jesse Rubinoff. It's been a long time since we roamed the very small halls of the College of Sports Media. Jesse, it has been too long. Shawnee Mac, we used to do shows together, sit anchoring the shows at school. You know, it's been it's been a while, but it's I'm glad to have you here. Look at us. Yeah, look at us look now. At the famous words of Paul. Look, look, look at, at us. us now. I have to say though, I'm very surprised that you are gracing us with your presence today, considering what you had to say about the show and its environment uh, last week. Let, let's have a listen. Uh, I'm a very serious TV <laughs> man, yes. and what you guys are doing in there does not match up no. with my brand at all. I'm sorry. Yeah. I have to hear this nonsense in my ear. There's a big game tonight. So are you going to, uh, are you going to let loose a little bit? Are you going to get away from that? You're looking for something to press? Who are you? Why do I got to talk to you? <laughs> Very good. That's how I feel. Very good. That's Very how I good. feel right now. By the way, I am so excited to explore this board. Do you take some time to, to get used no. to it and stuff now? Except for that one. That one I knew was coming, right. so I prepared it for you. I'm just excited. You got to be careful with the icons. Though. No, 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 I'm not going to be careful at all. I'm going to freewheel this thing. I guess, yeah. It's, it's one day here, so I'm going to be go nuts. I'm going to be smashing these buttons. And I am a very serious TV man. Don't get me wrong. I am just not Ken Reed. <laughs> there is me and then there's Ken Reed. And I love Ken Reed, but I'm not bringing my own trophies talking about how I bought a 1967 Jofa helmet yeah. at the side of the road. Yeah, they're, they're here still. Like Those are the ones that he uses. He's got the trophy that he just reintroduced behind you now up top on the screen. So, I mean, they're everywhere now. Oh. Yeah. He's got everywhere. his name on it, too. Yeah. Now, he comes in here. He's, he's a whirling dervish of sorts. That's You're a little nicely. more grounded, for sure, but uh, we're going to have some fun today. Let's have some fun. It is Friday, so let's have some fun. We've got a great show planned with lots of my friends stopping by. <laughs> Elliot Friedman, Kelly Rudy, Steve Dangle, Blake Murphy, Louis DeBrusque, and Faisal Camisa will be my co-host in hour two. Who, Funny enough, the last time I saw Faisal, I had security <laughs> escort him out of Maple Leaf Square. So we can talk that through and, and hatch clip. that out a bit. Yeah. We've got plenty to talk about after the Oilers closed out the Flames in another wild game in Calgary. Plus, we'll get you set for Game 6 between the Blues and the Avs tonight on Sportsnet, as well as the Blue Jays continuing their series with the Angels after taking it to Shohei Otani last night. We'll talk some basketball, golf, tennis, maybe even a little soccer. So, Jesse, let's get right into it with First Things First. First Things First. There we go. Let's go. What an intro from Sean McKenzie to get us started. I have not done studio work like this I know. since I did City Hits about 10 feet out there. And I stood on a little wood box. And I think I rolled my own prompter like ten, for that. Like 10 years ago, basically, right? Not, probably, yeah, 9 or 10 or nine, years. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's, that's a long time yeah. ago. Well, you nailed, you nailed it. To you know what? I've got a long way to go here, but you're off to a roaring start. I'm a little because I have so many screens here, and there's a lot going on. Yeah. Normally, I'm out in the field, mm -hmm. and I have one camera I just stare at. And all the viewers see is this. So, it's like, I'm getting side shots. My posture sucks. <laughs> like, look at this. Like, I don't know how to sit. 
I don't know what to do. It's, it, it's, it's weird. It's weird. That it shot's even worse. Time. I look like hunchback. <laughs> Let's just. <sighs> it's gonna take some time to get used to. You get to, to feel comfortable, but like you got the benefit of having that chair. Like I'm over here on. I know, it, but you know, I don't want to gripe about I it. Keep, but I, I got a weird stool. I'm thing. dropping it's my the, right elbow, looking. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's not good. I'm going this way. Like just I never that. get to see the side of my body. Look. No one should see the side of their body like this. For what it's worth, I think you look great. Thank you. Sharp suit, too. Thank you. Uh, okay, let's get to some hockey. The Edmonton Oilers are into the conference finals for the first time since 2006 after a 5-4 overtime win over the Calgary Flames in Game 5 last night. Fittingly, of course, it was Connor McDavid scoring the overtime winner in another wild high-scoring game. And, of course, there was some serious controversy. Uh, Sean, before we get into the controversy, are you disappointed that the series ended so quickly? There's two trains of thought for me on this one. I think as a hockey fan, no, I'm not disappointed because we get Connor McDavid in the conference final. So there is looking ahead, thinking, you know what, let's just make sure Connor McDavid goes as deep as he can. And I yep. say that because what we're seeing from him is legendary. Um, I wasn't around to see Gretzky in his prime, and I'm not going to go down the path of comparing and saying he's better than this guy or better than that guy, but the few people that I've talked to who got to see guys like Gretzky and Lemieux is that they did special things, but the way McDavid's playing the game right now is he's doing things that nobody's seen. The way he skates, the way he stops with the puck, the way he can just do everything so well is at a level that I don't think the game has ever seen. So there's that side of me that is going, okay, we get to see McDavid for another round guaranteed. There's mm -hmm. the other side of me that says, it's the Battle of Alberta. It was sick. It, like, <laughs> and you expect it to be tough and me. And it was wild. It, it had its moments. But, you know, game seven between Edmonton and Calgary, that would have been just the peak, the penultimate moment of the playoffs. So there is a part of me that wishes we got to see the series go the distance. But I'm not overly disappointed because it means we get to see more of, of Connor McDavid. And that's no knock on the Calgary Flames. I know no. there's going to be Flames fans in my mentions. They're going to be telling Maybe. me you're – loving the Oilers too much and you're happy to see the flame. No, I'm not. I, I think they're, they don't have Connor McDavid, though. It's as simple as that. So getting to see a potential Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon conference final, that to me is, uh, is good. That is uh, potentially going to be uh, absolutely incredible. Um, Connor McDavid, obviously, uh, it's been a while for him to get to this point. Uh, we saw you're looking at the video right now of his reaction going through the tunnel. Like, what do you think it meant to Connor McDavid to finally reach the conference final when when you look at what happened in you know game seven of the King series people were saying if if they lose that game then Connor McDavid's gonna ask out so here you are he has that kind of reaction what do you think that feeling was for him I think that clip right there that combined with the Scott Oak interview following that game where we saw Connor McDavid even midway through Scott Oak's question just start to smile and yeah. this is no knock on Connor McDavid but he's a guy that keeps things really really tight and you don't often get a lot of outward expression from Connor McDavid and in the past we've seen a lot of disappointment and the mm -hmm. times that we do see that emotion from McDavid it's anger it's frustration it's another playoff loss it's what you talked about it's you know is McDavid going to ask out if they lose against the Kings are we going to see that level of frustration boil over to a point where it's too much so to see this as a hockey fan if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan this just is is amazing because what he does on the ice is so good but to see him light up like this the celebration the joy in the tunnel I think we're seeing Connor McDavid at his best on and off the ice and that's 
kind of goes back to my point of I want to see what he can do, what he can do in a conference final, what he can do in a cup final. I, I, it would be a shame to see his playoffs end early again. Uh, and the fact that they're advancing, I think, just you think, what if? You know, can, totally. You know, can he go on an even more incredible run? Where can he carry this team? Um, as a hockey fan, that potential and that what if kind of sits in there and says, like, I want to see more of that guy. Mm -hmm. You look at McDavid and Dreisaitl and what they were able to accomplish, 29 points in five games. So their best players, the Oilers, for sure, stepped up uh, when it mattered most. Uh, but when you look on the Calgary Flames side of things, I talked about the controversy. I think we have to address it a little bit more because uh, Blake Coleman, his goal is obviously disallowed. Uh, what did you make of the call? You know what? You know what? Since it's such a big deal, the Blake Coleman disallowed goal, I think we go to the 98, which... You know, you watch the show. The 98 is that screen right over there. So why don't we make this our is, way over? This is good. People we can, can have a look, and I can ask you what you thought people about the Blake Coleman. People can see me from even more angles. So now, I'm, <laughs> now I'm adjusting my pants. And Here we go. Here We're we go. going to the 98 for the breakdown. Okay, so I'm sitting watching the game, and, yep. and, and it's, you know, the series is 3-1 Oilers. We're just bystanders of the series. Not rooting for anyone in particular, just rooting for more hockey. Of course. So I see that go in, and I see the review, and I thought, there's no way they're going to overturn it. Yep. But evidently, they do. There so why don't, we roll, why don't we roll the clip and show exactly what happened with Blake Coleman kicking the NHL deem, kicking the puck See, into the you net. You said it, kicking. Yes. I so know we so what, do you, what do you think about it? I think it's no goal. But I preface that with, I think it should have been a goal. Mm -hmm. I know that may sound confusing, but hear me out. Based on the way that the NHL structures this rule... And the way that they say a distinct kicking motion, I do believe there was a distinct kicking motion. I think when you look at his foot, when you see the fact that he did propel the puck mm -hmm. into the net, and look, take out all the what-ifs of this situation. The puck would have went in already. It, it, you know, it that doesn't, doesn't factor it, in. That doesn't, doesn't factor no, in. No, it doesn't. And I know if you're a Flames fan, you're going, well, why does it not matter? The puck mm -hmm. was going to go in. It doesn't matter. If he, well, it doesn't matter. It, in the NHL's eyes... They are not Calgary Flames fans. They're looking at it simply just going, did he kick it or did he not? And to me, that right there, he opens up his foot. Mm -hmm. We'll wait for it here. He opens up that left foot, and he does propel the puck forward. Now, do I think that that rule should be looked at, should be tweaked, so that is a goal? Yes, I do. But if you're just going by the rules, if you take your fandom out of it, if you take the feeling of, well, that was going to go in anyways, and you robbed the Calgary Flames. My thought is, is it's just, it should count. The thing that I had the hardest time getting past, and, and there's a reason we're talking about it and debating it today, and there's a reason that the Hockey Night in Canada panel had such a good conversation about it last night, is because if I'm looking at Coleman, and I actually can't decide whether I think he's stopping or kicking, in every league, in every professional league, we have this barrier that you have to get over to overturn something. It has to be clear. And the NHL says it has to be a distinct kicking motion. And if, I think it's more than 50%, but if more than 50% of fans watch that and can't determine with any real clarity that he is definitely kicking it or definitely stopping, then that's when I'm like, is that enough to be able to overturn the call on the ice, which was a goal? And that's the question for me. And that will be the question. And that will be the big debate for years to come because there's been moments in the past where a team has been robbed in this situation yeah, definitely. and they're not going to forget it. This is going to be something that's talked about for years and years to come. So the big question is, is, is you're right. Was it enough to overturn it? 
The NHL said yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that is right. I'm not saying that's wrong. And I know Flames fans won't like to hear it. But under the rule, I do believe that there was enough there for them to say he directed his foot and he kicked it in. It's, yeah, this it, is going to be talked about and, for and a very long time. And it's such a gray area, and I'm not pretending to be an expert here. I'm just telling you, when I saw it, I wasn't 100% sure. But if I had to look at it 10 more times and said, I think he kicked it in, I would 51, 52, right. fi- enough to say that it's a no-goal situation. So we have plenty of guests coming up to, to ask more about that specific goal. Elliot Freeman joining us uh, next block. But I know there was something with the overtime winner that you yep. wanted to talk about, that you saw, that you thought maybe Johnny Goudreau, people were jumping all over uh, Johnny Goudreau for what happened with him uh, on the overtime winner. So why don't you take us through what you saw? Yeah, and again, and this is another moment where I think as a hockey fan, you see it and you have an immediate reaction mm-hmm. to it. It's this play right here. Johnny Goudreau is getting a lot of hate on Twitter right now for yeah. what people deem to be a flyby. They say, look, he didn't go at Dreisaitl. He should have pinched off the wall. He should have fought for that puck. And at first glance, you go, you're right. Visually, it, it looks awful. It, it looks like a player who's flying the zone, not wanting to mix it up. And I kind of thought, you know what? There's something to be said about maybe getting a second opinion. And the one thing that being a rinkside host that mm-hmm. we had the luxury of is that you get to go into these coaches' chats with NHL coaches, right. you know, the broadcast chats, because we're, we're rights holders. So you ask these coaches things that you think, okay, 100% he's going to have this take on it. He goes, no, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. Or like he, they pick the game apart in such a way that it makes you go, you know what, it's not always as what it seems. So I reached out to someone in hockey, an executive, and said, okay, what do you think of that play? And the simple message was, that's, that's a nothing play. So if, if we can see it again here, guys, it's basically... It looks like he's flying by, but the system is is that Dreisaitl is covered right. by the center coming up, and McDavid should have been covered. You see a little switch there. Johnny's play there is to go cover the D-man. Because, look, he's not going to probably win that battle against yeah, Leon Dreisaitl. Right there, yeah. And even yeah. if he does get in on him physically, is going to pump that right off the wall. D-man's going to have a straight lane to the net. And what if they score there? Mm-hmm. That would probably be the play where the coach comes to Johnny and says, you missed your man, you had the D-man. But fans are going to sit there and say, well, his man was Dreisaitl. So it's great insight. I think that's just my take on it. And there's going to be fans that say, it doesn't matter. It's overtime. The series is on the line. You see the puck, you go get it. Mm-hmm. But I would put money on it that Johnny Goudreau is sitting there going, I got to go get my man or else I will get in trouble. And right there is the play where he had his man covered. Just a couple issues on that play, the Hannafin turnover as well. So great job on the 98 breakdown, There we Johnny. go. It's there my first go. time on the big board. Very impressive. Okay, so before we move on from the Calgary Flames, uh, what I want to do is something that we've been doing uh, the last couple of uh, games in the Battle of Alberta is something called uh, TF Predict, is where we give away a Tim and Friends hoodie. We're doing giveaways uh, now. We're doing giveaways. Love it. Uh, we just we say... Predict the score for the game, hashtag TF Predict. We've got it trending the last couple of days, and we do have a winner, David Hutchins, on Twitter, hashtag TF Predict, 5-4 Oilers, and also called it in overtime. So congratulations to David Hutchins, uh, yet another victor for the hoodie. Oh, look, I, I oh, look at you. I'm there being you told go. the hoodie's right here. I'm a friend. I'm a friend hoodie. We're going to have to figure out a way to... Uh, Give these away more often because the people, I think, I, like the hoodie. I thought you meant like you're going to have to figure out a way how to actually get it to them. Like there's yeah. <laughs> many logistics companies that would handle it. I don't handle, the, I don't handle it. the logistics. I just handle the digital side of it. Uh, okay, let's get on to the uh, Avalanche and the St. Louis Blues because you mentioned it. Uh, McKinnon McDavid would be uh, pretty sick. Uh, the Oilers are awaiting the winner of that series. Game six goes tonight in St. Louis. You can see it on Sportsnet starting with 
Hockey Central at 7.30 Eastern Time. Colorado leads the series 3-2. What should Oilers fans be rooting for in this series as it wraps up? Game 7 in mayhem. (laughs) Like, be as tired as possible. What what Oilers fans and what hockey fans want, I think, are two very different things. If you're an Oilers fan, you're hoping for triple OT, Game six, game seven, you're hoping for banged up bodies. You're hoping for guys getting injured. Not seriously injured, but maybe some others fans are. Who knows? Uh, but you're hoping for tough, mean hockey. If you're a hockey fan, you're hoping for close it out Colorado and mm-hmm. give us McDavid McKinnon. Make it happen. I want to see those two go toe-to-toe. It's just the way they skate would be electric. And that's just something that I think we deserve. I thought the Avs, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I thought the Avs looked really nervous in the third period trying to close things out. And the reality is they haven't been to the the conference final in a very long time, 20 years. So uh, they've had some second-round flameouts in the last little while. So how much do you think that's that's weighing on them as they go back to St. Louis? And and you got to beat champions. That's a reality here. St. Louis, they had the heart of the champion coming back after that McKinnon goal. So what do you think is going through their head ahead of Game 6? I'm watching this goal, and... This is the type of stuff that is going to be run on the highlight reels for years and years and years. You see that and you think, you know, Colorado, they, they clearly won that game, right? The, with the performance that Nathan McKinnon had. But no. It, it, so if you're the St. Louis Blues and you can weather Nathan McKinnon playing that well mm-hmm. and you could get past him doing that type of stuff to you and still grind out the playoff win to extend the series, yeah, the Colorado Avalanche should be nervous. Because you know the St. Louis Blues are going into game six going, we got their best. It might not have been their best, but we saw Nathan McKinnon single-handedly do that to us, and we still took it to them and won that game. So I do believe that, yeah, that maybe there's some nerves closing it out. And it's like the Leafs in Tampa Bay. You sit there and go, Lightning might not have been at their best, but they know how in the moments mm-hmm. to close it out. Mm-hmm. And until you prove you can close it out, you aren't a team that can close it out. And St. Louis Blues have done that before. You know, they're not the powerhouse that the Tampa Bay Lightning are right now, but they're a team with guys who have hoisted the Stanley Cup, who know what to do in these moments. It's going to be easier said than done, though. When Colorado turns it on, though... They've been the better team in the series. We can say that pretty definitively. There is that, yeah. Uh, Louis DeBrus coming up from the brink uh, a little bit later, but there is another series that we have to talk about. The Carolina Hurricanes are now a perfect 7-0 at home in the playoffs after their 3-1 win over the Rangers last night. Carolina now leads 3-2 as the series heads back to New York, but the Canes, of course, are 0-5 on the road in the postseason. Do you think anyone wins a road game in this series? What is going on? I'm just going to say no, because in a world where... We talk so much about gambling. Mm-hmm. Why would you ever bet on something that just hasn't happened? <laughs> like, the easy answer is no. It, it, here's what's going to happen. It's going to go back to game seven, and the Canes will win. Yeah. But, look, I don't have to host tomorrow or the next day or the next week, so I can make these predictions, and no one can come for me. So, Tim, that's on you now. You have to <laughs> clean up my mess. What the Canes do so well is they slow the game down to their pace, and they defend. And they get the chance to do that better on home ice. They get the stall matchup against Mika Zabana, Jad, and Panarin. They get to dictate the game. So I think you ask what is going on. It, surface level, that to me is what is going on, is that the Canes at home can control the game that the way they want it to be played. And the Rangers at home have a little bit more freedom to get Zabana, Jad, to get Panarin right. out against the guys that they want. So that's my surface level uh, guess. So I think, this I, like it. I think this one's going the distance. Only 17 shots for the Rangers in the game last night. Okay, Elliot Freeman coming up uh, next block. 
we got a lot to get to, uh, including some tennis highlights. The French Open, why don't we begin with uh, Leila Fernandez looking to reach the French Open's fourth round for the first time. This is third round highlights, taking on 2020 Olympic gold medalist Belinda Bencic. First set we go, Fernandez. Tees up the backhand and rips the winner. Leads to a break. The Montreal native takes the set 7-5 after dropping the second set. Third we go, tied at five. Fernandez with break point. Bencic just cannot make the return. The Canadian, yeah, let's go. Next game, Fernandez with match point and it is Bencic puts it into the net. Fernandez advances to the round of 16 in three sets, 7-5, 3-6, 7-5. Putting something together is Leila Fernandez to the men. Felix OJ Aliassime in the third round for the first time at the French Open. Prior to the match, his opponent, Filip Krajinovic, um, having some difficulty drinking. It's like Sean on a weekend uh, after Felix won the opening set. Second set, Krajinovic tries a drop shot, but OJ Aliassime on the run. Slide. That is just gorgeous. Cross-court winner later in the set. Krajinovic gets to the drop, his return hits the net, but lands over. OJ Aliassim gets there to hit the winner of his own. Felix takes a set in a tie break, he's all smiles after that one. Third set, Krajinovic, up a break, tries another drop shot, but how is he getting, how is he getting to these drop shots? Gets to it again and breaks back. Later in the set, OJ Aliassim with match point. Goes wide, the return does. OJ Aliassim advances to the round of 16 in straight sets, 7 6, 7 6, 7 5. He'll play Rafa Nadal in the next round as the French Open. It's looking pretty good for some Canadians here. I like, I mean, Rafa Nadal is not a very good draw at the French Open, but to get to the final, you got to go through the best. And Rafa is the best at the French Open. This feels no like old that. times. I know. Feels like we're back at this the college sports reading highlights media. and stuff. This is great. The difference is, is we have a few more people watching. Yeah, a few. Well, hopefully. Oh, we do. We do. I, I, I tune in just to watch. Still to come, though, Faisal Kamisa in studio to co-host Hour 2. I am 20 minutes in, and apparently the bosses feel that I need help because I do. An hour 40 minutes to go. This is long. Plus, Blake Murphy on the Jays and NBA playoffs. Louis DeBrus from the rink in St. Louis ahead of Game 6. And Steve Dangle joins me to talk about, well, what do you think he's here to talk about? The Leafs, plus more on the Battle of Alberta with Kelly Rudy. And after the break, Elliot Freeman joins us. Tim and Friends without Tim on a Friday. I've always wanted to do the paper shuffle yeah, throwing to break. Excellent. Very suave. That is a stunning call. Absolutely. What do you think about the call? Flames clear it. Did that go in? What? The one wide. Hammer to left field. It is gone. Off the foul pole, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Why the hell is Faisal Camisa over your left shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> when you get those jeans half off, Faisal, because they're ripped, haha. <laughs> Can you stop that man?
side for Michael Stone, scores! Four goals in NHL playoff history. I am back and down. I am back and down. No. I'm so bitter with you. There's no going to play. Five minutes into overtime. He is game five. And McDavid scores. Game winner. Series winner. Welcome back to Tim and Friends, where I'm joined by my first friend, Elliot Freeman, <laughs> one of many today. I, does that mean, like, uh, is that making me like uh, Jill Biden, like the first friend, the first lady? That might be a bit <laughs> of a stretch, but you can, yeah, you can be whatever you I'm want. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm hosting a two-hour show with zero studio experience, <laughs> so all rules are off today. Is this the fr- no. No, never. Never sat behind a desk. Are you serious? Yeah. See, like that's, uh, I remember when I worked at the score, they said to me, do you want to host? And I say, no, I, I like being in the field. I find the hosting yeah. really boring. And please, like Tim is proof, like anybody can host. It's true. <laughs> I just don't like the angles. I was complaining. I'm seeing side shots of me that I didn't mm-hmm. think should exist. But I have to say, I... Look, There's I, a reason they point the camera right at us. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the reason why just this. Is, and this isn't very good to begin with. <laughs> we just saw the Battle of Alberta. Yeah. It was... Entertaining, it was wild at times, but it was it was very quick, and, mm. and it ended on a controversial play that you know we talked through and through and broke it down. Mm. And, and you know the Blake Coleman kick, you guys talked about it on Hockey Night, and it was a great TV. It, mm-hmm. it was sensational. I know a lot of people feel that way, but let's just get your quick opinion. And for those that didn't get to see it last night, just what is your take on this? Well, I think it was a goal. Uh, I I didn't. I didn't think it was enough of a distinct kicking motion to overturn. You know, either way they were going to get an argument. I think the the outcry has shown that no matter what they did, people were going to be pissed off at them. And the reason I the reason I think that should be a goal is, as I said last night, with goaltender interference, if you get ridden in by the defenseman or you get pushed into contacting with the goaltender, you get the benefit of the doubt, right? You know, you got pushed in. Therefore, it's a good goal. If you look at that, he collides with Smith uh, with uh, with Smith's pad, and also he falls in. Cece's falling into him. Now, I will say this: the two elite level athletes on the panel, and I'm not talking about me and anyone. I'm talking about <laughs> Kevin and Jennifer. Said that you can do that. Like what Coleman did, you can do. But I see his right leg pushed back because it's on the pad and his left leg trying to prevent himself from going into the post. To me, he's trying to stay on his feet and not kill himself as much as he's trying to put the puck into the net. And then you guys showed all those other examples. Uh, Nate Thompson, uh, Chris Tierney, uh, the Chandler Stevenson one, I guess, has been going around today, which look a lot more like goals than that one did. Look, 
Edmonton won the series. Edmonton, full marks, they won the series. I just didn't like the fact the goal got disallowed. This will be debated for years. Mm -hmm. Me and Jesse talked about it. This is going to be something that Calgary Flames fans sit in 10 years and discuss and debate and what could have been. But let's, let's advance the story forward, at least when it comes to the rule. Yeah. Is this enough backlash, enough talk, enough under-the-microscope type of situation that the NHL is going to look at it and tweak it or think about it? Does this at all maybe change the rule? It's possible. I think there's enough debate today that you're at the very least going to have a conversation about it. Here's the thing. like There are people out there who say, oh, you should be able to kick a puck and score. No problem. I think that's crazy. Like If, if you remember Clint Malarchuk, uh, you know why you don't allow that. And the other thing, too, and I was talking about this with Merrick, who's got young kids who play. The way kids sharpen their skates now, they're sharpening them even to... Uh, uh, like a more honed edge than even before. You do not want that. You don't want that. And there are people in the league against that, and I completely support them on that. I've always been a big believer on, like, you know, leave the ice or not leave the ice. If you keep your skate on the ice and you direct it, to me that should be a goal. The moment your skate comes off the ice, I don't think it should be a goal. I've seen Jeff Merrick skate. I played hockey against him. He is not getting his skate sharpened like his kids. I don't know. I, ho I hope he's watching right now. I think he's dropping them on the cement on the way to get his kids skate sharpened. I'm sorry, Jeff. That's he's not even here to defend himself. He's got a blacksmith doing it for him. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk Connor McDavid, and we know what he does on the ice. It's sensational. We could talk about it for hours and. There's enough there just to go into every single example yep. of him doing things that we've never seen hockey players do in years, maybe ever. But there's a couple moments I want to ask you about. And, you know, for me, it stood out. We talked about it before. I'm going to interrupt you for yes. one second. This. This is what stood out to me, the celebration. That's where I was going. Yeah. Like, Either we're in sync here, or you're just trying to steal my job. Like, it's <laughs> I just wanted to here. hit the, like, a good director's, like, you got to talk about it when it happens. You were just right? sick of hearing me talk. You're like, shut <laughs> up and let me get to my point. Let, this is Sean and Friends, not Elliot and Friends, not Fridge and Friends. It would be Elliot and Friend. <laughs> and not, not me. <laughs> it ain't going to be me anymore. Um, this moment and the interview with Scott Oak, if you allowed me to get there, I would have mentioned it. The <laughs> smile that he had, even before Scott delivered the question, mm -hmm. how great is it for hockey to see Connor McDavid having this much fun? I think it's huge. Like, like This is the standard bearer of the sport, right? And you need that. Um, you know, Michael Jordan, it took a long time for him to win, but it, I, it was his first or second playoff when he had 63 points against the Celtics, and we were kind of made aware of, you know, what we were dealing with there, right? You need your best players, even if they don't win, to have big playoff moments. It's, it's taken a lot longer than Connor McDavid would like, but that was important. It's important for everyone to see. And, you know, the thing about McDavid is he hates to lose so much, which is one of the things I really love about him, that he really wears it when they lose. And they've done, and they've had so much disappointment that unfortunately you think of a lot of, you know, the scowl that's been on his face from time to time because not that I blame him, I want to win. And he wants to win. And so I thought that was huge last night. You know, I, I know that uh, St. Louis is going to be a tough out for Colorado, but I guarantee you that there are a lot of people around the league right now saying, okay, we need McKinnon and McDavid and... You know, it's, if it was David Stern in the 80s, you know, he'd send out his three referees that he controlled like a marionette and said, <laughs> make sure that uh, it's Magic Larry in the finals. So I'm just going to cross off my next question here because it was 
how excited are you to see a potential McKinnon McDavid? Well, but uh, you, you just keep stealing the show. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to earn it, right? Like you you know you have to beat those guys. But I think everybody wants to see it. You know, maybe the Blues ruin the party. It's certainly possible. They're a hell of a team. But I think everybody wants to see McKinnon McDavid. And, uh, you know, people like to see stars, right? And they like to see stars on the biggest stage. And, you know, I'll tell you this. Like, I know I'm, I'm really getting ahead of myself now. I think Tampa's going to be the favorite against whoever they play in the Eastern Conference Final. I want to see either McDavid or McKinnon against... Vasilevsky and the Lightning. I, I really do. Are, are you shocked what you saw from Tampa? The, the Tampa you saw against the Panthers, was it different than the Lightning you saw against the Leafs at all? Or was it just two different matchups, two different teams? I, I think that, uh, I, I think for whatever reason, it took Tampa longer to find their footing against Toronto than we expected. And I think once they got there, we were reminded that not only are they good, but they're, they're smart. Like, you know the person in school that is the best athlete and is also the best student and also the most committed? Yeah, you, sure. The, the most committed at what they I, do. I wasn't pointing at myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you hate them, right? They're either the, they're the, they're like the most successful person in the class and they're, and they're good at everything. And you're like, I, I hate that person. Like, like these guys, I look at them. Like that game two against Tampa when, like, you know, Hagel's getting carried off and Stamkos is coming back. Like, that says to me that's not only a great team, but it's, a, it's full of a bunch of people who understand the commitment of winning. And that's what separates them from everybody else. Are you shocked that without Braden Point, we talk so much yes. about the fatigue of a team that goes deep, not only for one Stanley Cup, but two runs, and you throw into the fact they were in a bubble, it was COVID, it was strange seasons. Are you shocked that they are having the output that they are and not really seeing much of a drop? Because I think there was moments in that Toronto series where people said, they're done. You know, They've played too much hockey, the least will just kind of pick it up and, and, and take it from here. Are you shocked that they're just chugging along I was shocked they swept them at a point absolutely I never saw that coming like I don't pick against Tampa I, I picked them in every series ever since they won the cup I the first time I picked them in every series they play and not because I'm really smart or have any <laughs> kind of knowledge it's just because I think they have the human eraser who's on the screen right now and they understand the real commitment to winning and that's and they've shown it in every series like this, this night this is the pack like Perry hitting himself in the face, and then I think we're going to see Sergachev. This is Sergachev getting hit in the face by the puck. Oh, that's Cernak. And then comes Sergachev, and there's Stamkos blocking the shots. And he goes to the room, and he'll come back, and and then he'll come back another time. Yeah, there's Cernak getting hit, and I guess they clean the blood off his shirt because his BX <laughs> says they don't like blood on the shirts. Here's Stamkos blocking another shot. There's where he left, and here comes Hagel's going to block the shot here. And, and like, that's like, you know, that's like the famous story about the Islanders and the Oilers, right? The Oilers winning the cup and, and, and not, or the Islanders, Oilers losing for the fourth, the Islanders' fourth cup and the Islanders not even celebrating because they've all got ice bags on. Like, the Islanders won 19 series in a row. Tampa's won 10. I never thought we'd see a situation again where a team won 10 straight playoff series. Fridge, I have to thank you for the time. I have to ask you, there's an hour 20 left. Any interest in just popping in this? <laughs> you got this, man. You got this. <laughs> Elliot, thank you very much. It is time for a break, though. When we come back, fresh off another watch along for the Battle of Alberta, Steve Dangle stops by to discuss his thoughts on the series, plus how he's enjoying watching all the former Leafs having the great success this postseason. Spoiler alert, I don't think he's having much fun. Next on Tim and Friends with me, Sean McKenzie.
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tim and Friends. It is Sean and Friends today. I'm Sean McKenzie. I'm joined by Jesse Rubinoff, and we are getting to another friend, our good friend Steve Dangle, who joins us from his infamous Leafs cave. We all know that background, Steve. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. How, how about uh, that game last night not involving the Leafs? That was fun. <laughs> I, I have to ask, and for those that you don't know, you do a watch a game with me, which is basically a live YouTube stream. And I say, if you don't know, it, everyone knows what you're doing. You're a damn superstar. Maybe. Maybe. Wait, I don't know. Do you, but... Is it strange, though, to be doing a game between Calgary and Edmonton and have 20,000 people? Watch? Like, do you ever sit back and go, like, Wow, this is kind of this is kind of cool. Um, I I think I'm actually more on my game to be honest when when I do Battle of Alberta because I'm not I'm not as wrapped up in the stakes. I'm not thinking about you know what I'm gonna have to say afterward um, when I do my post game video. And um, you know I, I'm not really cheering for either team, so I'm just sort of vibing. Just, just living in the moment, and uh, I really got to appreciate the hockey. And Oilers fans, you'll forgive me for saying, but it's a crime that that series didn't go seven. That was a lot of fun. How much more relaxing is it, you touched on it there, to do these watch-alongs and just to watch hockey in general? I know you want the Maple Leafs to be in. I know you would give ungodly things for the Maple Leafs to be still in the playoffs, but to do a watch-along involving a team that isn't the Leafs, is it better for your general stress levels your heart well, rate i didn't i didn't wear a uh, heart rate monitor <laughs> uh, for the battle of alberta so that should tell you everything uh, that you need to know i mean geez for watch a leafs game with steve dangle in the first round heading into game seven i, I got a hype up video from chris hadfield and <laughs> you know the astronaut he's been to space and the whole reason that I got that video is he commented on a screenshot of my heart rate hitting like 160 beats per minute, basically saying that his heart rate was at about two thirds that while being launched into space. <laughs> so uh, that should tell you everything that you need to know. Me, me and right Chris there. Johnson were sitting in the press box and he had it up on his screen and he started nudging me and he was panicking and I thought something was actually wrong and he was like, Look at Steve's heart rate, and it was like 148. And oh, yeah, he was he was bothering me like uh, during I'm like doing my job, and he's like, my heart doesn't even get up that high when I'm running, and well, I'm like, shut up, I'm doing the yeah, stream. CJ, like ultra marathon <laughs> yeah, runner who runs different. every that's day, different. is like, that's my like zone yeah. two resting heart rate when I'm clipping along at four minutes a kilometer. <laughs> See, it was actually great because my trainer was watching uh, every game of the series. <laughs> And for game one, I had a, I was going to work out with him the next day. And, you know, I'm getting chirped in the comments about, like, my heart rate and everything. And I'm like, oh, man, all these people are going to think I'm completely out of shape. Oh, good, the Andre Palat goal again. Can't wait to watch this all summer long. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So he was he was in there, and he's seeing my heart rate. And I, I start working out with him the next day. And I'm like, he's, oh, my God, all we're going to be doing is cardio all day long. And he goes, no. Nope, strength today. I go, why? He's like, your cardio was last night. I was watching. So, I don't know. I guess it counts as a workout. Maybe I'm not eating enough. You know I, what I mean? Maybe this is bulking season for me because I'm spending so many calories during the streams. I do not have the certifications or the knowledge to advise you on any medical or dietary needs. Oh, come on. I I've seen I'm, your Instagram. Yes, you do. 
Nope. Uh, I will say, though, Jesse, I think we've buttered them up, up enough, right? Yeah. We, we, we can get to it. Go for it. How are you feeling? Where is your current mindset at right now when it comes to the Leafs? Are you over it? Are you still in mourning? Where, where's Steve Dangle at right now? Here's where I'm at. So in talking about the heart rate monitor, I would always be way more nervous for the streams and for the games before the games began. Then once the game began, it was fun. So I equate that to um, waiting in line for a ride, you know, for a roller coaster and being nervous about getting on it. But then once you're on the ride, yeah, it's the dangerous part, but it's also the wee fun part. Where we're at right now is we're packing up to get in the car to drive to uh, an amusement park that is 82 hours away (laughs) like it's 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 hard to think about you know it's it's all well and good to be like you know they played great and they gave tampa everything they can handle and dude we're not gonna be in a position where the leafs can begin to make up for this for another year it's gonna be a year before they even have an opportunity to win a playoff series and i gotta figure out how I did it last year because the last thing I wanted to do after the Leafs choked against Montreal was watch a full 82 game season. And then by, by Christmas, I was loving it. So I got to figure out how to, how to love them again. I think a lot of fans do. I feel for you. I'm so, I, I, I have this board in front <laughs> of me. Being timed? That, that felt like a moment where I was supposed to hit something that was supposed to make like a sad noise. And I saw a red thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I hit. I thought it was going to be like the won't, won't, won't. And I was going to. Instead, I just felt like I was cutting you off. That that was rude. I'm being told. No, I, I, I thought I was being told that was the wrong answer. I'm like, all right, what, how do I? There we go. I made up for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just to go. add insult to injury. So you got Hyman, Kadri, Bozak. Um, uh, the list goes on. And CC and Barry. CC and Barry. I didn't want to drag it out too much for you. Do you enjoy watching former Leafs have success, or does it hurt you even more? Ah, uh, depends on the Leaf. You know, if I, if I really like them, like, I mean, uh, these are three guys who gave their all to their team. Like Tyler Bozak, uh, I know a lot of Leaf fans don't exactly look back on his tenure fondly, but that's kind of why I like him. Like he played for some brutal Leaf teams and he tried his best. Zach Hyman is a warrior as always, as you can see uh, from these clips. Um, and Nazem Kadri, I mean, what a story. It's It's not just that they're, in the playoffs and they have a chance at the Stanley cup. Like they're kind of the main or some, some of the main characters, you know, Zach Hyman is kind of impossible to me to be the main character on a team with Connor McDavid. But uh, you know, what's killed Edmonton in the past is their lack of uh, depth scoring. And what did Hyman end the battle of Alberta with six goals in five games? something ridiculous like that. He was exactly what the doctor ordered. Um, it'll hurt watching them lift the cup, but I'll be happy for them. It'll be bittersweet. Very quickly, Steve, I have to ask you, it went viral, of course, because everything in Leafs Twitter goes viral involving William Nylander, but the clips of him from the World Championship throwing hits all over the ice, what do you feel about it? Oh, man, it's uh, it's the William Nylander argument in a nutshell, right? It's a lot of people going, see, I told you he's always had that. And a lot of people going, where the heck is this? The vast majority of the time, uh, we we may never come to a consensus on William Nylander, but I think there's 
there's oh my god what a hit i think there's two big names in play for the leafs this summer william nylander is one of them and get ready jake muzzin is the other could be on the move steve i thank you for your time and i apologize for taking you down this trip down memory lane (laughs) After the break, <laughs> I'm supposed to do that. After the break, oh, okay. Faisal Kamisa will help me as co-host for hour number two. Plus, we'll bring Kelly Rudy into the conversation after calling game five in Calgary last night. Plus, the Jays and NBA talk on the way, as well as hour two before margarita time. It is Friday, Jesse, which means it's margarita time. It could be Thursday margarita time, but Friday's even better. They taste so much sweeter on Friday. <laughs> Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you, Sheepdogs. I've always wanted to say that. I've seen Tim say it so many times. Felt good. Felt right. I can see it on your face. Oh, I was so ready for that. (laughs) First hour flew by just for that moment. It is hour two here on Tim and Friends. I'm Sean McKenzie, and for Tim McAuliffe, who had to go see the new Top Gun movie today or watch his kids play sports, whatever. I'd go see the new Top Gun movie if I had kids, but I don't. That's probably why I don't have kids. We've got Louis DeBrusque from St. Louis, Blake Murphy in studio, and Kelly Rudy from Calgary all on the way in hour two. Plus, a good friend of mine will help me co-host this hour. I might just leave and have him take over because we have a great relationship on and off screen, as you can tell by our recent interaction. I'm sure it's a debate we could have for hours and hours, but we won't. Unless you want to have me on for hours and hours, I'm, I'm available and free. Why, why the hell is Faisal Kamisa over your left shoulder? <laughs> He's wearing jeans with rips. He paid, what do you get those jeans, half off Faisal because they're ripped? Huh? Can you stop that man? Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> Sean. Appreciate no, 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 it, Rowdy fans these days, huh? Uh, I can't even do a live TV hit without fans ah. interrupting. Nobody interrupted you. They're all talking to me. Welcome. Thanks, man. How you Thank doing? You. I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. I want to clear something up. A lot of people clear thought that was planned. Oh, no. That was not. Can you really? just, for the people, let them know that was completely oh, no. real? You can see by my head turn. Yeah. I was very. You had no idea what I was, was going on. I was cautious because Tim was like, why is. And I thought I was being set up with something weird. Right here, I almost break my neck because I'm kind of concerned <laughs> about what I was going to turn around and see. Good breaking necks. Well, yeah. that doesn't happen often for you, right? No one's telling you, like, hey, look behind you. Well, see, you that, like, that twist wasn't yeah. a... That was a big twist. I know, because I was, was shocked, lot, and then I yeah. saw you, and then I made, I made an incredible dad joke. It was bad. It, it was it, really bad. I felt bad for the security guard, because he genuinely didn't know what to do. No, well, he, no, he knew what to do. Stop all people from coming <laughs> up to you, and he did his him. job very well. He was good. And next game, he wasn't there. So I don't know what you did. He's my personal security No guard. kidding, man. I have to fight him to get in here right now. Yeah. I told him, him not to let you in. No, and here I am, by the way. It's how bad you were doing. So we're here. Faisal, thank you. Anytime, big guy. Jesse. Happy to be here. I'm happy to be here with you as well. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, we got to get to some, uh, some feedback because this is, this is different, having you here and Faisal. You know, What's up? have been in the studio before. What's up? Yeah. Uh, Jark Mulian writes in and says, uh, just tuned in quickly and got to say Tim's new hair looks great. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Nice. It's, a good, it's a little shorter, but uh, part of me like, thought like maybe Tim was taking some time off to work on that, maybe a little overseas. <laughs> I see a little Turkish flight. Yeah. 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 Uh, I thought maybe for a second 
Oh, look, this is Faisal Kamisa. Uh, so you, you saw you saw Sean today doing the whole warm-up TikTok yeah. thing, and you had to respond, right? I did. Well, look, man, I, I watched the first five minutes and got a call, and well, I had a suit at home, and so I was like, all right, on my way, guys. Be there for six. And they're like, cool, thank you so much. The Avengers. The, the call was for me. Was like, it was. Faisal. It actually was. Faisal, this, Faisal, I really yeah. need your help. I'm five please. minutes in. This has felt like two hours. I need a co-host. Yeah, that call was for me. Oh, well, that's uh, really great. During that hour, really we, great. Uh, we just interviewed uh, Steve Dangle. And okay. here is uh, uh, Mrs. Yes. Dangle tweeting out a video of uh, their son of Leap, Leo is his name. Um, always a treat to see Daddy on TV. Uh, that's not that's Daddy. Sean. That's Sean. But so, then, yeah, uh, okay, we'll get there. I think. I think, I think coming up. Oh, sure there, it there it is. There you hey. go. So very cute. That that's the content that we need on a Friday, right? That is it. You know, it's funny. Leo and a bunch of Leaf fans call Steve the same thing. And, uh, <laughs> that's great, man. That's very good. I, I had a lot of comments lined. I'm just gonna leave it. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Yes. That's great. That's that adorable, man. That is. We love Steve. Steve Dang. Like, is there a more heartwarming story than Steve Dangle? I know he has people that maybe don't get the Steve Dangle shtick, but is there a guy who's just no, he's as self-made just, as him? Who just it, it's a wonderful, content? wonderful story. And, Isn't he at uh, home there? He's just in the basement, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Steve, hey, just let, wanted to Steve, clarify that. Let your, let your kid down to watch the <laughs> yeah. Bring the kid. He's not that far Bring away. The let, let the kid can okay. be in the shot. Let him. Uh, can let, I say, let, can let the I kid have some airtime, yeah. Stevie. Um, can I say something? We don't have any rules. You can say whatever you want. We got a College of Sports Media yep. you know, trio here. Uh, happy graduation day to all the kids that finished really? up their second year today. Really? Congratulations. Wow. Find the tweets. Yeah. Uh, your futures likely look bleak given this industry. But hey, congrats for. No, I'm just wow. kidding. I'm just kidding. If if this isn't proof that you can do this for a living. Yeah. I don't know what is. If Jesse, go, Sean, and I here somehow doing this. If you go to the College of Sports Media, you can one day sit around with your friends and talk about <laughs> the just, TikToks you yeah, posted yeah, an hour ago. Yeah. On national television. That's the dream, really, isn't it? That is the dream. Yeah, thankfully we have credibility to this show now. Now let's actually get to someone who knows what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, thank let's God. Let's put an end to this. <laughs> and we bring in Kelly Rudy, who will yeah. have some knowledge, some actual yeah. facts Finally. for us. And putting an end to this Finally. nonsensical talk. Kelly, thank you for joining us. And allowing the fans and the viewers to no longer have Some us relief. talk. Yeah. Sean and Faisal, how are you guys? I, I'm in beautiful downtown Calgary, although it clouded over, but as you can see, I'm along the banks of the Bow River with the uh, famous Peace Bridge mm -hmm. behind me and uh, downtown in the background as well um, on the edge of Princess Island Park, which is just a beautiful place here in the city of Calgary. That is gorgeous. I've, I've never seen casual Kelly Rudy before. No. You, you look great. You look comfortable, man. You look comfortable. You're all right. I am. This is the real me, boys. This is how I normally <laughs> roll. No, I love unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, that other job <laughs> makes me dress a different no, way. No, we know. We know. And speaking we, of that other know. job, last <laughs> night, you were uh, you were in action, uh, helping call uh, the Battle of Alberta. and. Uh, you spend a lot of time around the Flames. You know that team well. I, I just want to ask you, when you look at the way the series went, are, are you surprised it didn't go the distance, that it wasn't quite the pushback, and it wasn't quite maybe the Flames that many people expected to see? Yes, I am. But first of all, I have to talk about the broadcast uh, in general terms. Uh, how It was just a thrill for me to call uh, that game with Chris Cuthbert. Uh, mm -hmm. Chris and I were trying to go over it last night. I think the last time uh, we could remember was uh, maybe 2003 or something that we called the game together. And so it was just magical experience for me. But yes, I am very surprised that the game uh, or the series ended in five. I expected a six or seven game series. 
But uh, the fact of the matter is the Flames never showed their best in the series, and Edmonton just had a number of stars that uh, were outrageously good. And then some of their foot soldiers, a guy like Zach Hyman was uh, absolutely outstanding, and and I thought we covered that story really well also. Um, but, uh, yeah, interesting game, that's for sure. Mm. So when I look back at this series a few years from now, I'm just going to tell people it went not seven, but like 11 games because <laughs> over the course of those five games, Kelly, it had every single thing and more that you could think of. Did it live up to the Battle of Alberta expectations you had despite it only going five games? It did, Faisal. And, you know, Chris and I talked about it on the broadcast last night, but, you know, no lead was safe for mm-hmm. either team. And, and that's what I really think is uh, exciting in hockey. Uh, lead shouldn't be safe, whether it's two or three, nothing. There should always be the possibility of a comeback. And I, I think that's something that uh, all fans like, right? Like if it's two, nothing, the game's in the bag, you know, what joy do you get out of that? I, I think the, the more drama you have uh, and uh, lead changes just adds more to it. And by the way, you know, just the level that McDavid played at in that series is something that I don't want to be overly dramatic, but the way in which he plays, we've just never seen mm-hmm. something like that before. And even though he admitted to Scott Oak last night post-game that that wasn't his best and probably his lousiest game in the series, he was still the deciding factor when it all came to an end. Let's dig a little deeper on that, because leading up to Game 5, Sutter said something interesting where it might have been gamesmanship, and I'm sure there was an element of that where he said, you know, they have just been a little bit better than us. And, and it was interesting because you look at what they were matched up against, and there was comments where he praised Connor McDavid. There was some where he didn't give him the praise, and it almost seemed like he was going back and forth and picking his spots. Is Was this series a case of what the Flames didn't do? Because a lot of people look and say, well, they didn't even take it to six. They didn't take it to seven. Or is this just a team that looked at Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and didn't have an answer for two players who were out of this world good? Well, there's parts of that. There's no question. Uh, I mean, you can't take away anything that the Oilers accomplished because they they just had a – they're on a great run, right? And uh, they have no weak links right now. But I, I just, we didn't see the best from the Flames, and that's on them. That starts with the head coach, and then it filters down to the players because uh, it was not a very good series for them, and they could never really find their game. Uh, they, I thought they played really well in the first round versus Dallas, but after that, they just weren't very good, and the Oilers uh, really capitalized. You know when you could really feel, I thought, it turning uh, in a major way to start the third period? I thought the Oilers... They really had the jump on the Flames. And it, it appeared to Chris and I when we were talking that it, it f- appeared that the Oilers knew that they had them on the ropes and they needed to finish them off as quickly as possible. And, and ultimately, that was an overtime. We won't have the perspective you will have having been in that building for that announcement when Blake Coleman's goal was ultimately overturned and disallowed. What was it like in that building when that call was actually made? Disbelief. Uh, I think that most people felt that uh, that it should have counted. I, I, I have a feeling. Here's what I think. That was intentional by Blake Coleman. But to me, it wasn't a kicking motion. It was just he guided in with the skate. Mm-hmm. And over the past few years, we've seen that goal count time and time again. Uh, the distinctive kicking motion is where I think that uh, you draw the conclusion that no, that's not a goal. But in this case. I thought it should have counted, um, but you know that's the one thing that it's always 
open to interpretation. At least that's how I see it. Uh, I, you know, we've been around this game for a long, long time. And oftentimes that goal is allowed, certainly in regular season. So I understand. I think the right call was made, but it's just that when you see it called differently and the goal stands, then when it's open to interpretation, that's where, to me, at least the confusion lies. Disbelief from Flames fans, but the few uh, Oilers fans, I'm sure there was a, <laughs> a few in attendance. Just what uh, what kind of feel did you get from them? They had to be pretty fired up. Yeah, Oilers fans are really fired up, and it was kind of fun uh, because there are enough of them in the building, and they were having fun uh, with, the, with the win. Of course they would. They're in Calgary celebrating, so got to feel good for them, and uh, their team is moving on, and uh, it's going to be a little bit harder now, once again, as it always is in the conference finals. Hey, Kelly, listen, we appreciate your perspective. Thanks for joining us, man. It looks lovely out there. Enjoy that instead of us. You got it. Thanks, Sean. Today's all talk to you guys soon. I'm off for a longer walk now again. Hey, enjoy that. Enjoy it. I will. That's right, Kelly Rudy, uh, fresh off calling the final game of the Battle of Alberta in the postseason. It is time for a break. We'll be joined by Blake Murphy and more people to help Sean out. In studio up next, we discuss his new Blue Jays show. We figured out the buttons yet? Yeah, yeah good one. That's the same one used on Dago. We're going to talk about those Jays who got an impressive win over Shirley Lucani and Why the do I gotta talk to last you? night. We'll talk basketball with Blake as well. Hey, it's Faisal and Sean. That sounds pretty good. The reigning AL MVP. That is Shohei Otani. Springer has an eight-game hit streak. High and deep. It's gone! 48 leadoff home run. The one-one. Hammer to left field. It is gone! Off the foul pole. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Jansen gives this one a ride. It is gone. He's just too hot. A 6-3 win for the Blue Jays. Yeah, that was impressive on the heels of their best hitter, Danny Jansen, uh, doing his thing over again. It's Blake Murphy in studio joining Sean, Jesse, and myself. Fresh off the announcement of a new show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Jays Talk Plus, 3 to 5 Eastern every weekday. Yes. Every weekday. Unless there's an afternoon unless game. Unless there's an afternoon game in which we'll figure out a way to get you on because you're not on enough. Yeah, um, yeah. They told me day off. I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Already, I think next week I'm get, I'm just getting bumped and doing Jays pregame. <laughs> it's fine. It's uh, nothing better than afternoon uh, day game anyway. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Mostly because yeah. now I can actually listen to your show at a reasonable time. <laughs> Uh, for everyone that associates Blake with just basketball, you are doing it wrong and have been doing it wrong. He couldn't be smarter when it comes to talking about a ton of sports, including the Jays. So thrilled to have you doing this show. How do you feel? A versatile I'm a man. You are. Yeah. I'm, well, Devlin Sean, can Sean's do it. Too. We came in with, uh, with Devlin doing the Jays call yeah. last night. If he could do it, I could give it a hey. shot. Shulman does it. Shulman switches over to college basketball. I'm not on the level of those guys, but I can give it a give it a crack. Um, no, like I'm, I know I'm a basketball guy now in my career in the last couple of years and everything. Um, but you know, I was initially like a hockey kid. Correct. I played hockey all Correct. year round, and then uh, you know, baseball is kind of my the first thing that I tried from a writing perspective because it's so data heavy and I'm such a dork that it was a <laughs> he said it. He it was said a it. natural starting wasn't point. It. Wasn't us. Um, obviously, love basketball, and I won't be far from the Raptors. Like draft time's coming up, you know, I'm going to be watching those summer league games. I watched Jake Cole in the CBA last mm. night. Um, <laughs> so I won't be far from hoops, but I'm excited for Jays. Okay, we'll get your breakdown of that. For first, we'll talk Jays. I, I want the breakdown of that. Yeah, we'll get to it's it. It's real short. It was bad. <laughs> bad. Okay, there you we go. What? We got there the breakdown. Is. There it is. I'm uh, killing the board, by the way. <laughs> Jays bats better. Yes. Uh, and it's 
well, it's impressive and almost feels real when you do it off a guy like Shohei Otani. Has anything changed in your eyes with the approach at the plate with the team? Yeah, I think so. And I think Vlad's at-bats are, are a good indication of that where, you know, he's coming into those games in a slump where he's been swinging at a lot of bad stuff low and away. And in that first plate appearance against Otani, he lets a bad slider that doesn't slide, you know, comes up just short. And you think, oh, man, maybe he missed his pitch. And then he waits on it again in the third plate appearance. That one might have been a curveball, but it hangs again, and he, he puts it off the foul pole. Um, the game prior to that, he had not only the home run, but he had a walk that was four pitches all in that zone where he's been chasing too much. Uh, he also had a single in that game. So, like the process improvements from Vlad, and I thought George Springer's plate appearance to start mm-hmm. that game was a huge tone setter. Not just the home run, but eight pitches. Yeah. And we know that Vlad is an information guy, and he likes to be in there and see a lot of pitchers off the opposing starter. So, if Springer can have plate Appearances like that. Espinal second on the team in pitches per plate appearance scene. Vlad's getting the chance to see a lot of pitches before he goes up, and I think that's going to help him with choosing what you know because he can poke anything. He can he can get his bat on anything, and that's the trouble sometimes. I think is giving up something you can hit for something you can drive. Just how contagious is it when these young guys get going? You, you heard Charlie recently say, actually going into the the two game stretch that they've won here, that the hitting can be contagious. So when these guys, as fun as they are, when they hit the way they are. How much does it just start to roll over and roll over and get that feel going? Yeah, I don't I don't know how much it's contagious. I've never played on a good team in anything. You've seen the Raptors <laughs> Republic 3 on 3 tournaments. Today. Yeah. You're here today. Um, no, but I do think there's something to it and there's a little bit to lineup protection. It's not like in the macro league wide sense, we don't really believe statistically that lineup protection has a huge effect, but you can see it game to game when Teoscar wasn't there and then when Teoscar's struggling. I actually really like Bo in the fourth slot for mm-hmm. this reason because I just mentioned what works for Vlad in the three spot is seeing a lot of pitches from the guys in front of him. Bo has the profile of more a knock him in than a set him up kind of guy. So him in that spot should benefit Vlad as well. And then in terms of the the kind of getting things rolling, yeah, there's an energy to that, I think, for sure. There's also if one or two guys are hitting, you're getting to the bullpen a little earlier. By the end of a series, you're getting against a tired bullpen. You know, they've got a guy tonight who's making uh, just his third major league start. You get to him early, and maybe you get a, a weekend bullpen Saturday and Sunday, and that lets some other guys get going. So everything kind of flows like that. What's been, because again, we, for a lot of this early season, we've talked about what hasn't worked. What in your eyes beyond the hitting has been working for this team so far that they can look back and be like, you know what, that's been okay. Yeah, I think the, the starting thing is starting pitching. Yeah. And we're not going to see Gosman in this series, but he's been terrific. Obviously, um, Alec Manoa on the hill tonight, who's been tremendous ERA under two. Even Kikuchi's settled in to where, you know, you, you trust him, at least to get you five innings. And the swing and miss stuff has really come around since the slow start. So, um, you know, last I checked, they were first in fan graphs, wins above replacement for starting rotations, which is huge. We thought coming into this year, you know, if we break it down kind of like we did with the Raptors in terms of half-court offense, transition offense, and defense it's like okay well they're going to be a good offense Um, they're going to have an okay bullpen that they need to upgrade during the season that's the case for just about everyone if their rotation can be top five top eight in the league then you've got a really good thing here now the rotations actually picked them up where they haven't been hitting the other thing too is i think their infield defense has been pretty pristine i know bose had a, a couple of rough games here and there but espinal at second base is incredible chapman is obviously incredible um vlad's turned into a really solid first baseman and then the heavy use of the shift in the infield and the outfield has saved them a couple hits and a couple runs here and there i will ask you one question i'm a hockey guy who covers the maple Leafs. Hockey Night in Canada for most of the time through the season. So I don't get to watch a ton of Jays. So I don't have really? a lot of... The Leafs are out by like the second week of the Jays season. <laughs> I, I've been... <laughs> Ding! Kicking... Ding! I'll do it. It's okay. <laughs> Ding! I 
Anyone who spends a lot of time in Rogers Center, I ask them this question. It's hard hitting. If you were to stand on the top of the CN Tower, could you throw a baseball into the dome? That's why he's here, guys. No. You don't think so? <laughs> no, I don't think. Like, if I got infinite tries, I'd eventually figure out the trajectory or whatever. I don't know if but you like, would. I, th- I think you guys are ridiculous. I think, it's easy. I think you could easily do it. Eat. You can't take a step into it, though, right? Because you're going to fall no, off. You're, the you're, right. you're on the skywalk. You're hooked in. Oh, you okay. could take a running yeah. start. You, you can't when you're, like, hooked in. I but, can't yeah. mentally. Well, on the, top of the scene tower. Let's just say you start. had the guts to stand up there and take a little crow hopper. Like, what's the actual... Dis- I'm trying to picture now which side. It's like but 350 the right, the right meters. Side I've done the math on it. It's right field. The, the 350 meters? About that. Oh, no chance then. No? No. That's my I didn't realize it was that. Like, you, you, I'm trying okay. to picture the thing, and in my head, it's just the one staircase no, in between. Yeah. But it, obviously, there's like there's the distance, skywalk right, pathway. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, now that I've ruined 50 meters. Now which, that I've ruined the conversation, yeah. Faisal. I got you. Back yeah. To you. Uh, it'd be like no, now you've exposed me as not having the greatest arm of all time. Yeah, I'm not, sorry. I'm not yeah. Henry Rowan Gartner. Well, I, <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, it'd be like Kyle Lowry shooting basketballs in the last game. Speaking of which, bad. Yeah, he's he's very obviously hurt. Obviously, and of course, it's really tough to watch him like this. And I know he's. You know, he wants to leave it all out there. He doesn't want to lose a series sitting on the bench. He's done that before, and it didn't sit well with him. But this is pretty tough to watch. And I think, you know, what you're really concerned about if you're Miami, beyond the fact that you have three core guys deep into their 30s with a lot of miles on them, is the last two games were kind of Miami-style games where yeah. they really got grinded like, out and the shooting percentages Eastern were low. Games, but yeah, and Boston was more than comfortable in those. So I think it's done tonight. I hope I'm wrong because I'd love a game seven, but weirdly I think you are just because nothing has been predictable in this postseason. Mm-hmm. And in that to say, they've also been pretty bad games. Like every game has been a blowout. What I don't even know if there's something to attribute it to beyond just, you know, they've played a lot of basketball over the last couple of years. They're traveling back and forth, and that's not great on their bodies. And teams are just really good where they can adjust on a day-to-day basis. But is there something you see that makes these games so different night in and night out? I do think the cumulative fatigue is a big thing. This is our third M- third NBA Conference Finals. It'll be our third NBA Finals in a 22-month span. Which is not crazy. even two full years. No, crazy. So crazy. this is this is the Boston Celtics, I think, seventh playoff series in the last two years and third playoff run. And I think Miami's played even more. Now, they've got some new recruits, so it's a, a little fresher. But some of these teams are playing you know it's, it's a huge advantage comparatively that golden state took the last two years off and they did the if you if you can't win don't play thing and didn't bother to, to show up for the playoffs so um i think that's a real factor i think it gives boston an edge as a younger team but you're even seeing with brown and tatum tatum's dealing with that nerve impingement he's yeah. taken a while to get into games um fortunately for quality of game if not flow of series um i think the seven game finals are taking place over 19 days which is yeah Two, five, a lot eight, of extra, ten, like, a lot yeah. of extra days off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a, a tweet that, or a quote that made me laugh recently from James Worthy. He said, all NBA players do is practice threes, <laughs> lift weights, get tattoos, and tweet. Which I, sounds like a pretty damn good life. I'm two life. for four. <laughs> it, it, it is a good, good life. But is there you can practice a sport more than the NBA that loves to compare the old school of what it used to be versus the new age. It seems like there's this internal battle between the old school guys and the, the players now. There is. There's a little bit of it in baseball too, but I think you get it more on the media and history side than the players themselves. Um, other than the odd, like, don't flip your bat because this game's supposed to be played boring. Um, but no, I, and I think hockey, you know, the most interesting element of that and we're, we're doing it right now with Connor mcdavid is how do we adjust for how different the game was yeah. and we do that a bit in nba because of the three-point shot and everything but no one is taking Connor mcdavid and being like well hockey's a lower scoring game it's more physical you can get away with more defensively now so he's not as good as gretzky was like 
that it's the other way for hockey. Things have gotten more difficult. It's gotten harder to score, whereas in basketball, you get the, oh, threes are soft, even if Steph is running 10 miles a game to get open for those threes. Yeah, you don't see the other work that put in there. Yeah, you, don't, you don't see Wayne Gretzky saying, like, Austin Matthews is stupid for wearing that suit. Like, it's just such a funny yeah. dynamic to it. Or, or Craig McTavish going on the broadcast and be like, these jabronis and helmets, can you believe this? How soft today's players why would are? They, why would they risk their brain and their safety? Yeah. Idiots. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Basketball is a tough one for it. You yeah. see it even with like the the broadcast crews and the halftime crews and stuff like that. But um, this is where getting newer and fresher voices, and I think fresher voices like shortly out of the league is important. That's what JJ Redick has been lot. amazing, Correct. unbelievable, because Correct. he hasn't lost. I don't think that. First of all, he knows all these guys and could talk to them um, and has played with a lot of them. But he hasn't lost that. Oh my God, it's so cool that I'm talking about basketball thing. Uh, I wanted to ask about Andrew Wiggins. Canada basketball, little tie in there, but he's not on that roster that we saw. The question is more about Canada basketball and mm-hmm. itself. What do you make of the commitment that is there from the players that are there and the plan that they kind of have in place for that men's side that so dearly needs to make an Olympics? Yeah, I think it's terrific. And you look at that list of names there, and sure, it's missing a couple, but that has 11 NBA names, yeah. an NBA hopeful, and two of the best Canadians playing overseas in Melvin Edgem and Kevin Pango. So we actually had um, Michael Bartlett, the CEO of Canada Basketball, on the Fan Morning Show this yep. morning. We talked to him about some of this. We asked him about Wiggins. We talked about Global Jam with Sportsnet's co-presenting with... Uh, Canada Basketball, July 5th to 10th at Mattamy Athletic Center. And all of these things are aimed to nudge in the same direction. And, and on the women's side, their head coach is now a full-time head coach. He's in Canada permanently. And obviously you can't do that with Nick Nurse, but they're trying to simulate that basically with two Nick Nurse assistants always being the run, yeah. the ones running the team throughout yeah. the year, even those in-season qualifiers. So I think this is huge. I think it sets a big precedent for the next wave of guys that if you're in, you're in, and you can't do the kind of I'm showing up at the last minute to play thing. Now, if they make the, the World Cup, which they will, and Andrew Wiggins knocks on the door coming off these couple terrific seasons where he's probably, and in those qualifiers, he's probably the best player. You know, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what their fortitude to stick to the these are our 14 guys are. I'm, I have questions if Wiggins shows up, if someone doesn't, you know, oh, my ankle. Yeah, I, exactly. We need, exactly. A, we need a 12. Exactly. Blake, I want to thank you for your time. And I also want to say that I have confidence you could throw a ball from the top of the CN <laughs> Not Tower. Not 350 meters. But I think you could. That is like three we times... We do need summer content on this show. That so. is like three times the length of like the foul pole to the plate. Something tells me they will not allow us to go up to the CN Tower and throw a ball. Jesse. Jesse got his hand We're up. not going... Yes. Yeah, yes. no. So I just Googled uh, the longest throw of a baseball ever. 445 feet. Yeah, but not by Blake Murphy. Not, and not meters. But, no, but think yes. of the Correct. difference. Right. So you gotta think we gotta it, go. Like, it's not flat. Think. We gotta go. Jay's talk plus. This is my show. Three to five Eastern time. They're yelling. My show. Basil and I will roll on after this. I don't know. Basil's going to get kicked out if he keeps going against me. We'll head to St. Louis ahead of Game Six between the Avs and the Blues. Louis DeBrusque will give us his insight on tonight's game as the Oilers sit back and hope for a slugfest. Tim and friends. Without Tim continues, but there is Sean. We'll see if Basil returns. Mouth. presents Stanley Cup Moments. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson, to Orr! Bobby Orr! Scores, and the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup as Bobby Orr, their 22-year-old sensation, 
two. Sanderson out in front to Orr. And Bobby Orr made no mistake in beating Glenn Hall. And the Bruins win the Stanley Cup. You could experience moments like this live. Enter for your chance to win a VIP trip to the 2022 Stanley Cup Final. Enter now at rogers.com slash Stanley Cup. Yeah, welcome back. That's uh, not a fond memory for Blues fans. They're hoping to create a better one tonight. They're hosting the Avs in Game 6, trying to push it back. Push it to Colorado for Game 7, excuse me, on Sunday. Hockey Central will come your way at 7.30 Eastern. The game is at 8 on Sportsnet and CBC. Sportsnet Central is after with myself and Carly Agro. The Blues are hoping the home cooking will help them tonight. Our building is, is pretty special. We love the energy we get from our crowd. Uh, our, our fans get fired up. I, I also think um, the Avalanche are a team that come out really hard at you. They, they push early, they push often, and they make you almost break, uh, just like they did last game. Playing in your home building in front of your crowd and the energy your crowd provides, um, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's what it's all about, right? We've got to have a good start to the game here tonight. They've started extremely well the last two games. They've been the better team in the first period, so we've got to, we've got to turn that tide here tonight. I think it's important that we come out and we have a real good first. Yeah, didn't think we'd get here after the way that game started in Game 5. Louis DeBrusque joins us now to help break this one down a little bit. Louis, first, we want to go back to that Game 5. How stunning was it what you saw by the Blues at the end to force today's Game 6? Pretty incredible when you look at it. They never led the entire game. You know, they were chasing the game the whole game, but they found a way to win it. And that just goes to show you how resilient the St. Louis Blues are. And it's a veteran group in there that know how to get things done. But, you know, the Avalanche come out, get up 3-0, a nice cushion going into the second period. Late in that second period, the goal by Tarasenko, though, around the 14-minute mark, you could just see things kind of turn. And then the third period, give the Blues a lot of credit. They got on their game, they put the Avalanche on their heels, and they just continued to push. But the goal by McKinnon, you think it's over again. What a goal. I mean, just end-to-end, -end, puts it shelf. You're thinking, okay, they've come back, but that's going to be the dagger. No, they continue to battle, tie it, and win it in overtime. I didn't see that coming, to be honest with you, but with this St. Louis Blues team, nothing really surprised me. They've been doing it for years. Louis, when guys like me and Faisal ask NHL players in the playoffs about big games like that and momentum, they often tell you it doesn't carry over from game to game. It's a total reset, and you got to put it behind you. But you, you've been in NHL dressings. You've been there and done that. I'm curious, if you're the St. Louis Blues, and you go up against Nathan McKinnon at his best. You weather the storm. You hear David, David Pernall talk about not breaking. Do you just have a different level of swagger? Do you have a different feel coming into this game after a game like that? It injects life for sure. You know, you could see the, the bench erupt and just the reaction afterwards. This is a group that's really digging in here, and they've given a lot of credit to the Avalanche. They understand they're up against a very good team, and they know because they've played some very good teams over the years in the playoffs. To win the Stanley Cup in 19, they had to beat four very good teams. You know, so I, I don't know if the momentum does carry over. I kind of believe in that, but what I do think carries over are habits. You understand what you did to be successful. Get, get to your game, and that's something the St. Louis Blues are going to try and do earlier in this game. They haven't had the greatest starts, although they were up one nothing in the game number four, but they, they haven't had the best starts at getting to their game as far as in the offensive zone, attacking, working off the cycle, grinding the avalanche down, not letting them have that transitional game. 
And I think because they did it so well in the third period and for part of that second period in game number five, that's what they're going to try to do early on. Now, the Avalanche on the other side understand what they didn't do well. So although momentum doesn't carry over again, I think habits and understanding of what you need to do to be successful does game to game, and they'll try and counter that by getting to their game, as they've done the last couple games, especially in the first period they've come out strong, like Craig Berube was talking about. This should be a good one, though. I, I've been saying eventually we're going to get that game where both teams bring their A game, and that's the one I want to watch. What I, is, oh, go ahead, John. No, go ahead. What is it about the, the Blues that you've seen that allows them to be a team that can be bent, can be bent, but not break, just like David Perron said? I just think, Will, you know, if you look at the makeup of their team, they're very deep. They have nine 20-goal scorers in the regular season. They come into the playoffs. They have 10 remaining players on the team that have won the Stanley Cup. Bennington's out. He would be 11. But I just think that they understand that they, they have to stay in the now. And it's so easy to say. It's so cliche. Stay in the moment. Make sure you're ready for that next shift. But it's a team that really relies upon that. Um, something interesting that Craig Ruby said this morning, he said, for us, he, and he said about our game, it's about 50-50 battles. And that, that, that's a big detail for the team. Now, we talk about it all the time, win the little battles here, win the little battles there. Their game is based off of that. When they're winning battles, they're very, very hard to play against because they have the puck all the time. And we saw that in the third period of game number five. They controlled that game. Now, the Avalanche on the flip side are a team, once they have it, they don't want to give it up either. And they play that dreaded three-quarter game where they have you on their heels, they continue to attack, continue to forecheck, and when they get to it, they're dominant as well. But I just think there's a lot of guys in the St. Louis Blues room right now that have had their backs against the wall. And they understand that, hey, listen, it's one game. Go out there and concentrate right now what we have the task at hand and, and get the job done. Should be a great one tonight, though. I, I just really think that the Avalanche have come in. They understand as well a young group that's really trying to figure out how to deal with that adversity. But they've only lost two games in the playoffs. And mm -hmm. both games after those losses, they've played pretty well. Yeah, and one featured uh, that goal by Nathan McKinnon. I, I just want to talk about that because I heard you on the broadcast say maybe one of the best playoff goals you've yeah. ever seen, having had a couple days to look it back and, you know, reevaluate any uh, different thoughts because no. that it's, it's gorgeous watching it again and again. And, oh, my goodness, it's just one of the greatest you'll see. It's so Nate, though, right? Like, when you look at it, it's, he's just such an excellent skater. He's so powerful. And I compare McDavid and McKinnon all the time together because why wouldn't you? They're both phenomenal players. Their skating strides different. I always say that McDavid's kind of like Formula One and McKinnon's NASCAR. They're both extremely fast. But I would say McKinnon's more of a powerful kind of muscle car, you know, when he goes. But for him to pick that puck up, especially in the time, they, they were on their heels for a good 12 minutes at that point in time. And he grabbed that puck from behind the net and he just took off. And right as soon as you saw him start to wind it up, you're like, he's going for it. He's not, he's not selling down. He catches him on a change. Ron McLean caught that. Very good pickup by him. And he just looked up the ice. He saw space. You give a player of his caliber space and what a finish at the end. So, no, I haven't changed my mind. It, live, just the way the building was starting to build as he started to come up the ice. And when he finished that off, the place erupted and all the hats came on the ice. I'll remember that moment for a long time. It was great that Singer and I were in. We kind of looked at each other and just started chuckling. Sort of like, awesome. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Louis, who, who was a guy that you played against that when he picked up the puck behind the net like that, as an opposing player, you started going, okay, here we go. This is going uh, yeah. to be an interesting one. You know, Mike Madonna. Mike Madonna really? was a guy when he grabbed that puck from the defensive zone and started to skate. It was unbelievable, and especially at the old Reunion Arena there in Dallas. 
um, that puck would be on edge all the time. But he was incredible at controlling that puck at top speed, and he would take that wicked wrister in stride. Sometimes the puck would be flat, it would be up on edge, but he always got a great shot away off the fly. You just saw everybody backing up as soon as he got that puck. Louis, thanks so much for the time, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. All right, take care, guys. That is Louis DeBras taking in a big game six between the Avs and the Blues and the Avalanche. And we have time for one last break. And thank golf, it's Friday with Jesse on the way. And then no last way. call before we head into the weekend right here on Sean and Friends. <laughs> Could have said face. Welcome back, everyone, to Faisal and Friends. That is Sean McKenzie. Jesse Rubinoff is here as well. I've been told it's something called... Do it. Nope. You were going to do it. Just the thought of me doing this scared you. It didn't scare so me. It I was just going to give you a moment head. to push the wrong no, button. No, no. Just me reaching through you off enough to stop talking. <laughs> just know that I have this option. Okay. Thank golf. It's Friday with Jesse Rubinoff. So beautiful. See, it doesn't, you don't even have to touch anything for that one. I was about to, and then the, I heard yeah, that, and yeah. I thought I would have ruined the moment. You would have. It's, and I, it's, it's good awareness for me. I always say it's so peaceful. I, I think I would get kicked off the show for that, which is fine, because this is a, a lot of TV. <laughs> Such a, a peaceful way to enter the weekend. Okay, let's get to some golf. Um, Justin Thomas obviously winning the PGA Championship last week. And this week we have the Charles Schwab Challenge. So let's take a look at some of the highlights. Uh, Ricky Fowler, Sean. That's a hot. Oh, wow. That is a, yes or no, fashion, Four people in Rick here. Rick can wear whatever Rick wants. I meant for you. Well, here's Rick I'm not, from I'm not Rick. Rick from 35 and a half feet uh, off the back of the cup and in for birdie. 170. Rick with the hat, bucket hat, flower hat makes the cut. Uh, Part 316. Kurt Kitayama. T shot. Oh! Hits the flag, hits the cup, bounces out. Robbed of a whole. I mean, that's happened to me a couple times. I just have to say, some repair work is no, needed it has it, to guy? fix the yeah. hole. Yeah. Uh, here's Texas native Jordan Spieth. Good day with the putter, which we've seen many, many times before in his career. 133 feet of putts on the day. Four under 66. Finishes a five under. Part four ninth. There's JT, PGA champion. Approach shot that hits some uh, branches leads to a triple bogey. Part of a stretch of six over in four holes. Misses the cut at three over, ends a streak of 21 straight consecutive cuts made. It's a long run. Par 4 10th, Scotty Scheffler, Masters champ. Approach from a buck 46 out. Oh, that's pretty. Pin high. He would go on to make birdie, bogey free 65, co leading at 9 under. He missed the cut last week in the PGA Championship, but it appears Scotty Scheff is back. Uh, okay. We got to get to another thing uh, golf related. I know you're both uh, big golf fans. Uh, we're just days away from the Capital One, the match, which takes place on June the 1st. And earlier this week, uh, this video that we're about to show went viral. Tom Brady's tee shot gets followed by a drone through the air. And look at this here, Johnny and Faze. Uh, this one finds the cup. Bounce, bounce, couple bounces, and in. Brady, of course, went nuts. Um, now, before I ask you uh, further questions on it, uh, here was uh, Josh Allen's response. If you go to my computer, fellas, uh, Josh Allen, uh, not a fan of what he saw, w was not Great in gift. agreement. So uh, the question is, yeah, you like that one? Yeah, three times. Three times. Wow. <laughs> Tripled it up. Three. Okay. The question is, uh, was that real or fake? Because we've seen Brady do something like that before. We had the 
a tire. He was throwing footballs through a tire when he was, it was a couple years ago now. And many people thought that one was fake, and there's some question as to whether this one's real or not. I'm a fun guy. Yeah. I like fun as much yeah. as the next guy. All right, cool. and I, 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 Yeah, go ahead. And I enjoy any kind of viral thing, but it, of course it didn't actually happen. Like, if, if people are out there going, like, yeah, that really happened, you could see the ball CGI. and Yeah. I, I didn't. I thought it was a no-brainer. Like it's funny. It's great. Yeah, it's but great. It's it, good. It so, Tom's good at social media. Yeah, really good it, at it social is media. unbelievable social media. But it didn't actually go in. No, it didn't go in. You have a hole in one? No, I don't. I'm due though. I do. Every time I get to a part three, nobody I asked me. Everyone, no one, no, no one no, ever asked just, me the golf question. He was just talking. He was just talking. No, no one ever asked me the golf question. Do you have one? Yeah, mini putt. Right. Nailed it. Nice. That's why no one asked you the question. No, I did. Answered it. So when I say I'm due, it's a funny joke because I play a lot of golf with David Amber, and I don't think he'll mind me telling this story. He might, but I really don't care. Every time he gets up to a part three, he goes, oh, I'm due. I'm like, why are you due? Yeah, this is not you, don't, you don't practice. No, it's this not is the one. He's not like he's like lipped out on 30 part threes in a row. <laughs> it's so it's a, it's a running joke between us now when you get to a part three, you go, I'm due for one. Yeah. It's just not how it works. Uh, okay, no. that was uh, Thank Golf It's Friday. You want to move forward with last call here? It's your, your show. Okay. Is he asking? Yeah. You can just do it. Can right? I just leave? Can I just get up and go? <laughs> cool. All right, uh, here we go. Earlier this week, uh, Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr uh, spoke passionately about the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. And today, San Francisco Giants manager Gabe Kapler wrote in a blog post that he is not okay with the state of this country and that he felt like a coward for not making some kind of protest during the playing of the national anthem on Wednesday. He expanded on those thoughts ahead of tonight's game in Cincinnati. I, I just don't, I don't plan on coming out for, for the anthem going forward until I feel like... Um, there's, I, I feel better about the direction of our country. So that, that'll be the step. I don't, I don't expect it to, to move the needle necessarily. It's just something that um, I feel strongly enough about to, to take that step. Sean, question for you. Uh, how do you think Kapler's request or protest will be received? I think it will be received the way a lot of these situations are, where it's going to be heavily divided. But I don't think that matters. And I, frankly, I don't care. Uh, if you don't like it, if you think it goes against your freedoms or whatever nonsense people are going to spew about him not coming out for the anthem, change needs to happen. And it's moments like this. It's moments like the New York Yankees Twitter going on and giving nothing but gun statistics. Mm -hmm. Despite the responses, despite During the, the game. fact yeah. that people have enough comfort to go onto Twitter and comment the things they do in the New York Yankees comments, that them giving out gun stats is bad. It, it boggles my mind. So, frankly, I don't care what the response is. I think it's outstanding. I think what Steve Kerr said was outstanding. It's people like this who can make change with their platform, who are brave enough to frankly, not give a crap what people say about them. They're doing the right thing. They're doing what they believe in. And that, to me, is all that matters. Agreed. Good for Gabe Kapler. Okay, the UEFA Champions League final goes Saturday at Stade de France in Paris. It's Liverpool versus Real Madrid in a rematch of the 2018 final. Real Madrid won that game 3-1. And Liverpool's Mo Salah left the game with an injury after getting tied up with Sergio Ramos. Faisal will... Salah get his revenge tomorrow. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not. I don't want Liverpool to win a single thing, man. You know, 
Listen, Real Madrid in finals, it leads to trophies. That's kind of their thing. They haven't lost a European final since 1981 when they did so against Liverpool in Paris of all places. So maybe the stage is set. But no, Liverpool, they've won too many things this year. They've been praised by too many people. And as a Manchester United fan, I need them to suffer. And they just haven't done it yet so far this season. And I'd like it to be on the biggest stage of all at the Champions League final against Real Madrid. I love asking you soccer questions. Listen, Get you was, go just wind them that up. That was yeah. passionate. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I hate them. So, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Uh, okay, just a few minutes ago, the Boston Bruins announced that Brad Marchand underwent successful hip surgery today on both hips. Both. The expected recovery time is six months. Uh, another member of the perfection line, Patrice Bergeron, is an unrestricted free agent. So, Sean, is this the end of an era for the Bruins? Two hips, not just one. Yeah. Um, it's hard to look at the Bruins and not think that major change needs to happen, or at least that's the direction that they could go. Um, with Marchand out for now, uh, Bergeron still in limbo as to what exactly he'll do. This is a chance that the Bruins could rebuild. They could tool up like you see a lot of teams do, where they pick apart the pieces and just add in one piece, one piece here. But you've had success, you've won your cups. Uh, they have a great young goaltender. Now might be the time to uh, rebuild, start fresh and uh, see where you go. It's crazy considering how long of an unbelievable run it's unbelievable. been. But it's been long. That, that's the thing. That's what you yeah. want in sports. You've right? Some it. sort of longevity. Yeah, you know, they've had it. They've it's, had it. It's just, it's one of those things where you don't even think about it. You just assume that Marshawn and Bergeron are just going to be there forever. Year they, after year doing what they do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They add a pass. Yeah. So for just, the most part, they have. Yeah. Just impressive run by the Bruins. Uh, okay. Sean uh, <laughs> makes a cameo in the latest episode of Hey Berkey in a very crowded sauna scene along with <laughs> Brian Burke, Jeff Merrick, Kevin Vieksa, Anthony Stewart, Elliot Friedman, and Dave Nonis. Faisal, can you identify who's in the picture? We're, we we got to look at this in bigger. Cause All right, cool. This has to be fair. <laughs> who's who? I don't even know what I'm looking at. So, so these are the list of who is in the shot. Okay, well, we got Brian, Jeff, Anthony. <laughs> you stumped. Is you this stumped. supposed to be this is supposed to be free, isn't that, it? So I what have, I have no that, idea. Is that Dave Nonis? That's Dave Nonis. Okay. That's Bexa. This this one? Yeah. Bexa. Is that not you? Is it, that's you. That's me. Oh. So my issue here though is look at this Elliot arm definition and look at mine. I'm not yeah. Look, I'm not Bexa. Not a great angle. But know. I'm. This is. Fridge paid someone for that. <laughs> Elliot 100% paid someone. He has. I don't know what's on your heads. I, lo- I like. It's like a sauna strategically cap. waited until a Elliot was cap? gone from the studio. So well, we there is no like to bring this up. No, we Elliot grew, we grew has up different man. Oh, there, there we go. We grew up different. <laughs> I 100% believe that Fridge has. That's Batman. He's not. A, he's not on the list. Batman. <laughs> Fridge has a graphic illustrator on his payroll, and he's out to sabotage me. That's that's impressive. Impressive work. Impressive animation. Did you have fun today? It was amazing. Both this was face? awesome. Nope. Did you feel like you <laughs> carried him, or, or what's the deal here? Yeah. Faisal, thank you for coming. I, I, I still have to work tonight. Nice. You got it all figured out. Work tonight. Two this hours. is my favorite. Who are you? Board, but it's all Who good. are you? Why do I got to talk to you? Yeah. That's how I, I felt all today. I came in here. <laughs> Faisal, I could have. Thank you, though. Anytime, man. You did a, you did a job. <laughs> 
that was convincing. That does it for us. Thanks for watching. Hopefully, I'm invited back. I think I will be. I think this went well. Yeah. As we leave you, you let's take a look back on the week here on Tim and Friends. Have a great weekend, everyone. Still five seconds. I didn't nail it. <laughs> it's Friday then. It's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's Friday then. It's Friday, Sunday, what? It's Friday again. It's Friday. Two hours on the show today. Um, are you advocating for a third hour so we can jam everything in? Or uh, I guess we'll have to do that in two hours now. Do you want to extend the show? Is that what you're saying? Oh, you did not like that. I was saying, no, you used to do three hours. I'm just saying, maybe you want to go back to that. Maybe that's what you're feeling, but I guess not. Shut up for one second. Shut, 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 shut your mouth. I needed someone Wait, to shut your mouth. Shut, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Are those new glasses that you're wearing today? They're not new. They're not new. My eyes, are bo- my eyes are bothering me somewhere. You look different. I might need to up the prescription. You look a little fuzzy today. I look, I look a little sexy yeah, today. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy it hurts. I think it's going to be one of those. It could be maybe like a single, maybe double overtime. And so I'm just ready to go here at Rogers Place. And now, despite the fact I'm not his biggest fan, I do like to share. And most of the time, he's a very nice guy. So I'm going to just toss things over to uh, Ryan Leslie. He's over there. Hang on. I don't know if I can throw it that far. (laughs) Look at that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it made it. Ryan Leslie, do you have your popcorn ready? Let it in now. It's funny, I used to make little mixtape uh, CDs for my girlfriend, and I used to call them Tony Toka Slow Jams. <laughs> what was the go to slow jam on Tony Toka's Slow Jams? Um, I'm trying to think. It'd have to be Boys So Into You by Tania. It's got to be that. I'm, one. So yeah. I'm not saying it, no. I'm like. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. They're both so into you. Yeah. Sisters with voices went, I'm so into you. Tamia, just so into you. We can I'm do so this all day. We, we should have a song off. <laughs> just. <laughs>